Hey everybody, welcome back to Linux Reality. This is Chess Griffin, and this is episode 59. This episode, we're of course going to continue this home server stuff, and we're going to talk about file and print servers. I know I had mentioned last week that I'd bring it up at some point, and it, uh, I was planning to do it in a few weeks' time, but I've been dealing with some, some print server issues just this past week, so it kind of brought it home uh, to me, and, and so I thought it might be a good opportunity since I've been sort of diving around uh, with CUPS configuration files and stuff like that, it might be, you know, <laughs> sort of appropriate for me to go ahead and bring it up now. So that's what we're going to talk about. First, I wanted to talk about something unrelated to Linux. This is just kind of some fun stuff. I, I've mentioned in the past that I listened to a bunch of audio books. These are audio books distributed uh, as podcasts, and uh, they're just audio files you download. And it's like listening to, you know, to a regular audio book that you could purchase. And there's a great website called patiobooks.com that has lots of patio books. And I've mentioned one called Seventh Son uh, before by J.C. Hutchins. And there's he's already done book one, and he just finished book two, and now he's kind of on a break before he starts book three. And a couple of people have, have emailed me asking me for some more recommendations, so I thought I'd take care of that now. The first one uh, I'll first mention is an author named Scott Sigler. He's got four books out. Three of them are completed, and one is almost done. Um, his first one is called Earth Core, and then Ancestor, and then Infection, and then The Rookie. And I really like all these books. I think they're awesome. Um, they are definitely for adults only. They are very graphic in terms of the violence and the language. So um, if you're turned off by that, don't listen to them. But they remind me a little bit of some earlier Stephen King stories. I really like Stephen King. And these are sort of sci-fi slash horror and uh, but they're really good. They are really, really good. They are very much, you know, edge on your, you know, sitting on the edge of your seat listening. I remember I was sitting in the parking lot of my office one day trying to finish an episode of one of them, Ancestor, I think, because I couldn't stop listening to it. It was so good. Uh, so I highly recommend those. Another one I'll recommend is The Immortals by Tracy Hickman, who's a pretty well-known science fiction writer and uh, also kind of well-known in the Firefly universe. Um, he, um, it's a sort of a near future book, you know, takes place in 2019 or something. And there's a new version of AIDS that has, that has been discovered and it's highly contagious. And, and it's like the United States government is all big brother and they've got concentration camps and stuff like that. It's a little depressing and, and sometimes it's a little over the top, a little unrealistic, but it's still very good. So I recommend that. Uh, Singularity is another pretty good book. It's a sort of a little bit more hard science fiction um, deals with black holes and, you know, space stuff. And it's, it's pretty good. It has an adventure story with it, you know, kind of like a, you know, uh, handsome guy and a beautiful woman running around the globe, chasing after the bad guys kind of a thing. And that kind of, that was a little, I don't know, it didn't really fit in for me, but it wasn't bad. I, I, I recommend it. Uh, the next one, the, these next three are really interesting. I like these next three. The first one is called how to succeed in evil part one. And it's, this is a funny little book. It's very short. It's only like 10 or 11 episodes and they're very short episodes. And, uh, it re it sounds like a comic book. I mean, it's, it's sort of, it, well, the storyline is a little bit of, you know, superheroes and bad guys. Um, but it's, uh, it's about a, a consultant. Uh, he's an evil consultant to the bad guys. He kind of teaches them how to be more evil, but it's funny. And it's got a little bit of a film noir feeling to it. Um, and uh, it's it's good. I liked it a lot. I think it's going to be a series, and this is just the first one. I think the author is a comic book writer, and it's not that you know bad in terms of the violence or the language. So it's that's a good one. Um, the next one is called Brave Men Run, and uh, this has also got a little bit of a superhero feeling to it. It's about a teenage boy in the 1980s, 
And, um, uh, well, he and thousands of other people around the world all of a sudden kind of come out of the closet as, as saying that they have sort of little superhero powers. I mean, nothing major, just little things. It's almost like the TV show heroes a little bit. Um, but, uh, and, but this is a really sweet story. It's, it's, um, it's, it's about a kid who's struggling with those issues and, and stuff. And it's, it's really good. I liked it a lot. It's got a little bit of language and, and maybe a little bit of violence. Not much. It's not bad at all. Um, so I, I highly recommend that. And the last one is really interesting. It's called Shadow Magic. And this is a story I think the whole family can enjoy. I'm still listening to it. I'm about two-thirds of the way through. So maybe the rest of the story is not as good as what I've heard so far. But I think it will be. It's uh, it's more of a fantasy kind of a story, you know, um, uh, you know, magical lands with evil kings and princesses and sword fights and you know imps and leprechauns and and uh, magic and stuff like that. It's it's really good, but it's a it's a it's about a, a you know a teenage boy again in, in today's time, and he and his father get transported to this world, and they have to you know go through adventures and things. It's really good. I like it a lot. So. I'll put links to all those books in the show notes. I highly recommend them. And there's probably lots of others at patiobooks.com that are equally good. But those are the ones I've listened to that I really like. So I just wanted to mention that in case anyone was interested. So with that, let's talk about file and print servers. Okay, um, I'm going to talk about the print server first, CUPS. And I, I, I want to direct folks back to the episodes I did in the sort of the mid-20s of Linux Reality where I talked about Windows networking, part one and two, that was dealing with Samba file sharing. And then I also did an episode on CUPS, on printer, print networking, printer networking. And uh, so go back and listen to that. But what I thought I'd do is kind of talk about some of the hints and tips and things that I've run into recently. Because I think it's, it's really, you know, I think having a file on a print server is very common. A lot of people have old machines. And you can put an old machine to good work by using it as a file and print server. If you've got a few printers or one printer even and some files you want to share across, even if you only have two machines, let's say a desktop and a laptop, and you have, a, you have, a, you know, you have an extra machine laying around, you can, you can set that up as a file and print server very easily. It doesn't require a lot of overhead in terms of CPU or memory or anything unless you're going to be doing you know, tons of of printing and, and a lot of network traffic for the file sharing. But if you're just an average home user, a really low end old machine would work well. So I've been setting this up recently with, with Debian. So this is going to be based on Debian etch, but the, the concepts I'll be talking about should be applicable to many different distributions. So the first thing I would do before you do anything is to, is to set up your, your server with a static IP and restart the network. I think having a static IP is just much easier. Um, especially once you, you know, if you want to, uh, uh, bind that IP to a to a computer name in your host file or with a DNS server, uh, something like that. That's you know you want to have a static IP. I think so. Once you've got that set up, then you want to install some packages. And on Debian, what you want to do is install two packages at least, and it will pull in more, of course, as it you know requires dependencies. But you can just do apt-get install cupsys. That's c u p s y s space cupsys dash driver dash gutenprint. And that is the replacement for GIMP print, I think. It's sort of a bunch of print drivers. Uh, but it will install some other packages and, and set everything up. Then what you want to do as root is go into slash Etsy slash cups, and you'll see a file in there called cupsd.conf. That's the main configuration file. And before you do anything, back it up. Just cp, you know, cupsd.conf, cupsd.conf dash backup or whatever. 
uh, because I've messed up this configuration file before and it's not that it's not that hard to mess it up and it's good to have a fallback. So after you back it up, then open that cupsd.conf file as your root user and we're going to make a few changes and just check on some things. The first thing you want to see is you'll see some lines about listen, like listen localhost colon 631. 631 is the port that cups runs on. And I have found it to be much easier to comment out the listen lines and just add in a new line that says port 631. And it basically makes that port that the service available to any computer on the network, essentially. Um, and that makes it easier for other computers to access the server. Uh, then you'll want to look in the browsing lines. You'll see browsing on, browse order, allow, comma, deny, and browse allow, uh, and then at, the little at sign, local. Those, were, those three lines were in the default configuration file on Debian, and it seems to work just fine. That's basically you're saying that, you're, that the printers are going to be shared on the network, and you're going to allow other computers to browse the printers, so to speak. So you'll want to check those. Um, you'll want to check the default authorization type, make sure that's basic, and set the default encryption to never. Uh, mine did not have the default encryption line, and I added that after Googling around because current, now CUPS enables some of this stuff with you know, SSL certificates, you know, so you have to use HTTPS. And I have just found that to be a little problematic and kind of annoying with the certificates and everything. And when you're dealing with a little network at home and it's behind a net router, behind a firewall and all that good stuff, I just don't see the need for having that SSL layer. Um, so I put default encryption and never, so it doesn't prompt for that anymore. And, you know, that might be a good idea to at least get things going, get it working. You can always go back and add in layers of security once it's working and you can, you know, put the SSL stuff back in if you want. But default encryption and never, I think, takes out the SSL certificates um, or the SSL options. Now you'll see several sections, and, and they're in brackets, and it's, it's location and then, you know, some kind of option. So, for example, you'll see location and a forward slash. That's just sort of def the default location for the, for the server. And then you'll see some, some, some lines. And you'll see location slash admin and location slash admin slash conf, C-O-N-F. And those are basically the different sections of the, of, the, um, of the print server. And what I've done in all three of those is I've added a line that says allow and then my LAN but with a wildcard at the end. So, for example, I have allow 192.168.1.star, and I've done that in all three of those locations. And, again, that opens up the administration panel, panel and all the configuration files to any printer, I mean, excuse me, to any computer on the network. But I wanted that, again, to set things up because I've got my print server back in a, you know, back in a different closet, not at my workstation. So I want to be able to access the print server and the configuration, the web-based configuration screens from my, from my laptop or from my workstation or whatever. So by adding in those allow lines, I'm saying any computer on my local network can access the server or access the admin pages or access the configuration files, you know, for those three sections respectively. So that's, again, just an option. I would recommend setting that up initially to get things going so you can log in remotely, make it all work, and then you can always take those lines out if you want and add in layers of security back in. Okay, then what you want to do is restart CUPS, and that in Debian, that's slash Etsy, slash init period D, slash CUPS sys, and then restart. That will restart the CUPS server. And then you want to open up a web browser and type in 
your server's IP. So let's say your server's at 192.168.1.50. So do that, colon, 631, and that's in your browser. And that will give you the CUPS web-based administration interface. So then what I do is I've clicked on the, you'll see tabs along the top, and one says administration. So I click on that, and now this is new in CUPS 1.2, I think. On the right-hand side, you'll see five boxes, check boxes, and they say show printers shared by other systems, share published printers connected to this system, allow remote administration, allow users to cancel any job, and then the last one's about saving some troubleshooting information. But anyway, I have checked, and I've seen other tutorials say, go ahead and check all of those boxes again for now to get things working. And this basically opens it all up for everybody on the whole network. So I check those boxes, and then I think you click apply or something like that. I don't know. Uh, it restarts the server again, and then click on administration again, and then go through the add printer wizard. And you know, you'll give it a printer name, like I've got an HP 1300 as one of my printers. So for the name, I just put HP 1300, and then I click next, and then I you know, select where it's connected to, and you'll see a drop-down box, and mine was on a USB port, so when I click the drop-down box, it'll actually say, you know, HP 1300 connected on USB 1, for example. So I select that, and then I click Next, and then the last screen allows you to select a driver. And now CUPS is pretty good about pre-selecting the correct driver. And so I just scrolled down and made sure that the HP 1300, the Gutenprint driver, was selected, and it was. And so then I clicked apply or add printer or whatever and it added the printer and it worked and i could print test pages from the cups uh, web uh, interface and on my workstation when i in in gnome at least i could go into the gnome um, cups manager and i could see the printer now this is where my problem was by the way this is a little side note i had cups printing just fine on the server i was printing test pages and it worked great i could see the printer on my workstation this is on debian etch with the GNOME Cups Manager little tool. That's in Desktop um, and then Administration. You'll see a tool there that says Printing. That's the little uh, GNOME Cups Manager. So I would right-click on the printer because the printer would show up, and I would go into Properties, and I would click Print Test Page, and nothing printed. It would spool, and it would show up, but then it would just stop. It would never complete. And I Googled forever. I posted in the Debian forums. I posted to a Debian bug in the in their bug tracker. I even posted onto the CUPS mailing list. I mean, I searched high and low, and nobody had an answer for me. No one could figure it out. And then I happened to stumble across a different bug listed in the Debian bug tracker, and it said that there was a bug in the GNOME CUPS manager in Etch. And it, it, it went on to say, if you print from something else, like a web browser, it works fine. And so I was like, oh, I can't believe that's it. So I tried, I fired up a browser, and I printed out a web page, and it printed just fine. And so for two or three days, I spent pulling my hair out, trying to find the problem with the server, and the problem was never the server. The server worked just fine. The problem was with the GNOME Cups Manager little application. So just goes to show you, and I, didn't, I never tested a different application to print. I always use that to test, to send test pages. I never printed from something else, so that was dumb on my part, but anyway. Okay, so once you add the printer, you'll see it in other applications on your other Linux machines, uh, and then you can add it on your Windows and Mac clients. It's easy. On Windows, you go to Add Network Printer, 
click network printer and then enter the IP. I think you usually do it as a HTTP colon slash slash and then 192.168.1.50, let's say, slash printers slash and then your printer name, HP 1300, for example. Oh, I think you got to put the colon 631 in there after the IP. And on Mac OS 10, when you go into the printer tool, you know, you, in the drop-down box, you, you select IPP printer. And same thing, under the address, you enter in the IP. And then under the queue, you put slash printer slash HP 1300. And it works great. And cups, cups is the way to go as far as printer sharing. You can use Samba with cups to share printers. But I have found just the cups IPP printing is the way to go. I think it's better than using Samba with cups. So that's cups. That's a printer printer uh, server. Print server works great. Now for file sharing, you do have to use Samba pretty much. You can use NFS and there's some other things, but I think most people use Samba, especially if you have a mixed environment with Windows or, or Macintosh, you'll want to use Samba. Samba is pretty easy to set up as well. I did that tutorial on it back in, I think, 25 or 26 on, on, winter, on Windows networking. But let me give you a quick run-through on how to do it on Debian, and it's very easy, actually. You would do apt-get install Samba and Samba-common. Uh, that will install the Samba server and clients. On, this is on your server, on your, you know, what's going to be your file server. And it will actually, uh, once the packages are installed, um, the, the dpackage configure tool will walk you through some little configuration screens in the terminal, some, you know, sort of NCURSES-based text screens. And you enter in the work group, and I usually just use work group because I never use a work group, but I just use that. And it will say, you know, modify the smb.conf file to use win settings. I click no for that, which is the default, and that's it. Then what I do is I go into slash Etsy slash Samba, and the main configuration file for Samba is smb.conf. And again, back it up. Just to cp, you know, copy smb.conf to smb.conf dash backup or something. And then we're going to edit this file. And there's a few changes here, but it's really not that bad. First of all, in, um, under the, in the global section, you'll see a line, security equals user. And that line is commented out. Now, for, in, in the smb.conf file, the comments don't have hash signs. They have semicolons. So any line with a semicolon is a comment, is a commented out line. So you want to remove that comment or that semicolon to uncomment the line. So now you'll have a line that says security equals user. Okay. Now, if you want to um, let people share their home directories, then you would, in the homes section, you would change writable equals no to writable equals yes. And that will share the, everybody's home directory on the server. If you want to add a share that's accessible for everybody, then what I would do is I would create that directory, call it, you know, home slash Samba, let's say. Uh, so you want to make that directory on the server. You want to change the owner of that directory to, um, like, you know, uh, root colon users. So we're going to change the owner and the group to root and users, and then the name of that directory. And you'll change the, the you know, the, the permissions. You could just change it to 777, but I think I usually do 755, I think it is. Uh, but you want to change the permissions on that directory uh, appropriately. And then at the end of the smb.conf file, you'll want to add in brackets you know, Samba or 
shared directory or something. That's just what you're going to call it. And you'll, you know, you could add a comment line equals shared directory. Then you'll want to add a line that says path equals and enter that path. So home slash Samba, for example, you'll want to enter in valid users equals and then the at sign users. You'll want to add a line that says force group equals users. Create mask equals 0660. And then add a line about directory mask equals 0771. And then writable equals yes. And then restart Samba. Slash Etsy, slash init period D, slash Samba, restart. And what we've done is we've basically, we've added, you know, we've created a directory. We've changed the owner and the group to root colon users. So it's going to be, so root is the owner and group and sorry, users is the group assigned to that directory. And in the smb.com file, we're basically adding a little section about that path, about that, that location. And we're going to force the user, force the group to be the users group. We're changing the permissions and we're making it writable. That's what all of that was that I just said a second ago. So we have the home directory shared and we have this, this Samba directory shared. Now what we need to do on the, on the server still, we need to add users. And if you remember from the previous episode, there's two things we have to do for every user that you want to have access to this Samba server. They need to have on the, on the server itself, they need to have a regular Unix account, you know, a, a Linux user account on that machine. And they also have to have basically a Samba account. You need to give them a Samba password. So what you want to do on the server is user add, and then the name of your user, like John, uh, dash M, what that does is it creates their home directory, dash capital G, which means assign them to the following groups, and then users. So user add space John space dash M space dash capital G space users. And that adds a user called John, and it makes, the home, it makes his home directory, so we'll have a, have a directory home slash John, and it adds them to the users group. And then we need to give him a, a Samba password. So we'll do SMB password, and that's actually SMB P-A-S-S-W-D space dash A space John. And type in a Samba password. And make his user password that you get, you know, with, that you create when you do the user add, make it the same as the Samba password. So it just makes it easier. So now you've created a user when given him a user password, you've given him a Samba password, which hopefully is the same password, and then restart the Samba server again. And now you should be able to log in. You, you know, you can browse the network. You'll see the shares. You can mount them directly onto your Linux machines if you want. You can do the create, you know, map the network drive on Windows machines and all that good stuff. So uh, it's really great. Again, go back and listen to those older episodes about Windows network and go into a little bit more detail about it. But I just did all this, what I just said, on my file server and my print server, and everything's working just fine. This is on Debian Etch. I've got some Samba directories shared, and I've tested it from multiple machines, including from a Macintosh. Works fine, and the print server works fine from Linux and from the Mac as well. So it's good stuff, works real well. And uh, I'll put some links to some, there's some, basically what I was reading for the Samba thing came from a really good tutorial, a recent tutorial at How to Forge. And um, I'll put a link to some discussion about the CUP server. There was a good how-to on the CUP stuff 
in the Debian forum. So I'll put links to all that, all that stuff in uh, the show notes. So I think that'll do it for the main segment here. Uh, let's get to some listener feedback. Okay, I've got a few audio emails here and then some, some uh, audio emails, some audio comments, and then some emails. But before I do that, I wanted to say I got a lot of email about the fish, <laughs> about me killing my son's fish when I changed the water in the aquarium. And everybody said essentially the same thing, which is I couldn't have done it worse. I mean, um, sounds like I did exactly the wrong thing by taking out the water and Doing, doing it the way I did it. Most people seem to say that, you know, you're supposed to just change some of the water and you're actually supposed to leave some of the, you know, because the fish, I guess, kind of create some bacteria that's good for them and things like that. So I got all those great emails. Thank you very much, everybody. I've read them all and that's definitely the way I'm going to do it. I'm going to read everybody's comments and next time I need to change the aquarium or clean the aquarium, that's what I'm going to do. So thank you very much. Okay, uh, let's see. Got uh, an audio comment here from Daniel. Hi, Jeff. My name is Daniel, and I'm recording this from Austria. I love your show a lot. Let me mention that I'm one of the religious followers of the Ubuntu distribution, and I've waited yesterday about 12 hours till the final was released. And I wasn't alone. With me, there were hundreds, maybe thousands of followers waiting. On UbuntuForms.org, we had about 2,300 postings within the 12 hours. Amazing experience. Yes, it's kind of insane, but this kind of community makes Macintosh so strong. Let's have installation parties all over the world, all over the country. If the next release, Gusty Given, reach final state. All the best. Thank you, Daniel. Yeah, I guess I should have mentioned that up front. Uh, congratulations to the Ubuntu team on that release, Feisty Fawn. I've got it on my wife's laptop, and it does seem to work really well. But it is amazing, the... Um, just how I mean, yeah, the numbers that I've seen in terms of the new posts, uh, the downloads, just unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. And uh, I mean, I remember, you know, many years ago when I was using Mandrake and there were some new releases of Mandrake, people would go crazy, but it was nothing compared to what's going on with Ubuntu. So it is crazy. It is crazy. So uh, congratulations to them. Good job. Here is an audio comment from Randy. Hey, Chiz, this is Truck Driving Randy. I just wanted to say thank you very much for your podcast. I'm an over-the-road truck driver, and I was afraid I wasn't going to be able to keep in touch with uh, what's going on with the community. And uh, just because you've got your show, I can burn your uh, shows to CD, listen, and listen to them while I'm over the road, and I stay plugged into the Linux world. So I just wanted to say thank you very much, man. I sure appreciate your time. Also, I... Uh, this is the small favor part of the part of the recording. If you could look into some of your uh, previous shows, especially uh, compiling from source, I know you had a little bit of a problem with the feed. What I do is I uh, I create audio discs, and uh, I haven't been able to create audio discs from a couple of your shows, especially compiling from source. Um, I know you're a busy guy. If you don't have time to get around to it, I surely understand. But uh, I haven't been able to convert the AUG or the MP3 to uh, CD audio music for me to take take over the road. So if you have time, please look into that. If you don't have time, I don't blame you a bit. Don't forget to make time for your wife and your kids. If you can do something great, if not, no problem. Hey, uh, 
Thank you very much, and uh, stay off the sidewalk. You never know how sleepy I am. Good day. All right. Well, thanks, Randy. Randy actually sent me a couple of other follow-up uh, voicemails to that, and I think he got it all worked out. So I know occasionally some of the episodes seem to disappear from the feed, and um, I've troubleshooted that to the you know to the fullest extent that I can. It's a Libsyn problem. Other people mention that with Libsyn for some reason with their archiving. You know, sometimes uh, stuff just seems to disappear, but it's, it comes back eventually. So, uh, but thanks very much, Randy, for that voicemail. I appreciate it. Here's uh, the last voicemail for this week, and then I'll get to some emails next. HS, this is Mohammed from Algeria. Uh, Mohammed Amer from Algeria, North Africa. I would like to thank you very much for all the effort that uh, you've done here. And uh, this is. I mean, this is awesome. I'm very happy to hear someone uh, is doing uh, this great job, you know, on the internet. And uh, I would like to thank you again. I've been using Linux uh, since four years. I mean, only Linux on on my machine, not not just two operating systems. I mean, just Linux itself. I started with Red Hat nine, then uh, Mandrake, then Susie, you know, and I ended up with uh, the Debian-based uh, uh, distribution. Right now, I'm using uh, Ubuntu, and uh, th this operating system is is exciting, you know. <laughs> and thank you very much for your feeds, you know, for uh, for your uh, podcast that you released on the internet. And I'm very glad. Keep up the good work. There you go, by the name of all the Algerian uh, Linux community people, I would like to thank you, and they are very happy to hear your voice over the internet, telling them and helping them, giving them help. This is very positive. Thank you very much. Salam alaikum. Well, thanks, Mohammed. That's, uh, that's awfully nice of you to uh, record that. I really appreciate that. God, I just love getting the audio comments. The audio comments are just great. And uh, I'm really glad to hear that uh, that you're enjoying the show and that other people are enjoying the show. And um, it is very exciting. You had said that, you know, Ubuntu was exciting. And it is. It is just exciting to, once you really start using Linux, just to, it sort of, at least for me, it sort of opened up a whole new world on computers and technology and things that I just, I mean, I still love it to this day. I just get a real kick out of it. And uh, I'm just so glad that I'm, you know, able to help out a little bit uh, with this little podcast. And so thank you very much, Mohammed. Uh, here is an email from Fred. And then Fred says, I've been a computer user since the early 80s, dating back to Honeywell Mini Computers, DOS, Apple IIe, various flavors of concurrent DOS. Um, and for the last 12 years, Unix on an Intel platform. In some ways, it seems like a solid base. But as a system administrator for 350 Unix servers, you do get into a rut. Changes in the marketplace have led me to migrate the servers to Linux. A few weeks ago, while on vacation, I had a borrowed MP3 player with, coincidentally, the first 54 episodes of Linux Reality. <laughs> Over the next few weeks, I worked my way through all of them. I must say the information was timely. It filled in gaps in my knowledge. One of the things I like best about Linux is the openness. There is a world of information available, and many folks are eager to share. I've always used a Windows box for the desktop stuff. During our investigation of possible Linux dist uh, distributions to use, I discovered SUSE Linux Enterprise Desktop. I'm quite impressed and recently set a goal to migrate my home systems to Linux. In nearly all areas, there are robust applications already available in the Linux world. Right now, the major stumbling block is that I use Quicken as a financial manager and would be difficult to give up. 
The episode on video editing was quite enlightening. Tools available are better than what I'm using in Windows. The LAMP server episode was also timely. I've really enjoyed your show. That's Fred. Fred, thanks very much. I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying it. As far as the Quicken Financial Manager stuff, check out Money Dance. There's also KMyMoney and some others, but I've used Money Dance. It's not a free application, unfortunately. It is proprietary. It's a Java application, but it works very well, and it has excellent online banking support. That was the main thing for me. I like to have the online banking where you can you know, download stuff directly off the Internet and uh, without having to you know, download a file and then import It'll download directly from your bank, and you can pay bills directly from the application. Those were the two things I used to use in Quicken, and you can do that in Money Dance. And Money Dance is actually cross-platform. They have a Windows version, a Mac version, and a Linux version. Um, it's excellent. I really like it a lot. Uh, so I would check that out, and um, you know, if that doesn't work, check out KMI Money, and there's a few others as well uh, that I, I'm not thinking of right off the top of my head, but, uh, but uh, Money Dance seems to work pretty well. So uh, good luck, and welcome, Fred. Here's an email from Kevin. Um, Kevin says, hello, I'm a 15-year-old from Indiana and a three-year Linux user and promoter among my peers. Let me just stop right there. That means he started using Linux when he was 12. <laughs> that is, that's a little frightening. I mean, that's in a good way. That's just amazing. I think that's so cool. Um, I stumbled across your podcast, Linux Reality, and I must say it, has given, uh, it gave me some ideas on how to use Linux. I use Ubuntu Linux for my desktop computing. I produce everything I need for school on Linux with the help of OpenOffice. I use OpenSUSE 10.2 to host my website and as a print server. Yast makes things a little easier setting things up. Listening to your series on the home server got me interested in servers and finding applications that can be used as setup for basic LAMP configuration. I use WordPress and find it a great application for blogging. As a high school student and athlete, I don't really have much time to attend the area's lug. However, listening to your podcast keep uh, help me make sure I'm going in the right direction. Good work, and I can't wait until your next release. From Kevin. Thank you, Kevin. And here's an email from another Kevin, a different Kevin. Kevin says, I love your tech show. I download it every week to my computer. I'm deployed to Iraq currently. I've been deployed for about 20 months now and 14 of it within Iraq. Your show makes my day more interesting and is very informative. Thank you for a very good tech show. From Kevin, he actually sent a donation as well. And uh, Kevin, thank you very much for your donation. And uh, I hope you get to come home soon. And I'm glad that the podcast is able to help you get through your days. Uh, last email here from this week is from Mike and Mike says, Hey chess, I was working developing web applications with Apache, MySQL and PHP here in Scotland a few years back and have been using Ubuntu for the last two years. I am now studying economics and politics at university, having become increasingly concerned and interested in these issues. I am particularly interested in how the open source development model is impacting on conventional economic doctrines and how new technology is changing the political landscape. I hope to do my thesis on some aspect of the economics of open source software. Now to the point I wanted to make. I think your mix of beginner user through experienced user focused instruction is spot on. Even having experience of Linux and other technologies, I have found your podcast excellent for going back over the groundwork and increasing my knowledge. For example, your podcast about the xorg.conf was excellent. And even though I have messed around with it in the past, I felt I had a much better grounding in what the config options do after listening to your show. Thanks. The more advanced stuff you touch on must only serve to increase beginner's knowledge, especially the way you approach things, starting at the start and progressing logically and methodically through the topic. I also assume you do Linux reality for the love and not the money, so it is important that you cover stuff that is satisfying and enjoyable for you. Linux reality is fantastic. Thank you. Feel the love, Mike. Uh, thanks, Mike. I do feel the love. I really do. Uh, the emails I get every week are just, I mean, I get, I get so many more than I read, and... Um, 
it really is humbling and flattering uh, the fact that so many new people have been able to uh, take the show and, and learn something from it and, uh, you know, help them uh, migrate to Linux. That's what it's all about, getting people to use, to discover and use Linux. And not everyone's going to take to it. I understand that. There's, no, there's nothing in this world is for everybody, <laughs> except maybe air <laughs> and water. But, uh, uh, but no, but seriously, I mean, you know, I just want people to, to learn about it and to try it out. And hopefully the show can help them, you know, make the transition easier. And, uh, you know, that's what it's all about. So thanks very much, Mike. I really do appreciate it. I think with that, it's going to do it for this week. Okay. Well, thanks again for listening, everybody, and for sending me all the great emails and audio comments. Uh, keep sending them along. Uh, please do send the audio comments if you can. Just record an MP3 or AUG, or you can call the listener hotline. That number is on the Linux Reality homepage. I'm also going to set up a Skype account. I have a I have my own personal Skype account, but I think I'm going to do one for Linux Reality and um, maybe do the voicemail thing. Uh, that seems to be working well for people. A couple people have asked me for that, so... I may see about setting that up. That might make it easier to send in an audio comment. Uh, let's see. Um, hope you enjoyed this episode on file and print server stuff. It's important. It's very common, um, and it can be tricky. But uh, I think, you know, if you find some good how-tos on the Internet, uh, it should be able to walk you through it and get it configured. I've always been able to get it configured eventually, sometimes sooner rather than later, especially this past week with me pounding my head on something that wasn't even part of the problem. <laughs> but that happens. So, uh, and thank you also for all the great information on the fish stuff. I will, uh, I will definitely take that to heart next time I clean my son's fish tank. So hope you guys have a great week, a great weekend and, uh, take care, stay safe. I'll catch y'all next time. This has been episode 59 of Link's Reality. See you later. Bye-bye.